Earthquakes, lightning, pouring rain, tornadoes, tsunamis, and a hurricane. Killer Earth. Hey, Kat. Hey, V. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm, I'm a little disturbed. Why? There's been like two boating accidents um, from like Maine and they like like two boats have sank yeah and there was one i think last week or a week and a half ago i can't remember um, um the emmy rose yeah out of and, portland sank, yeah i think off the coast of providence rhode island with um four fishermen on it uh, i think it was provincetown mass they were oh going to yes Gloucester. yes oh my god yeah. yes you're right not providence provincetown yes yeah and they sank at like one in the morning and it was super stormy that night and um, they didn't even have time to, like, uh, an alert, like, went out because a part of their boat, it's, like, a function in a um, in the boat that got wet or something. Oh. And um, that's, like, what pinged an alert system. And, like, they were, like, never found. And um, there was the lifeboat that was, like, empty and some um, debris. And that was about it. So that was really sad. That's and awful. Ugh. I just looked on facebook and i saw that another boat like sank out of knox county and it was like three fishermen really where where is knox county i'm not sure i just kind of like glanced over it because we were about to record but i was like no not another one so it's like really disturbing me (laughs) yeah it's a dangerous job for sure but to have two because there was another one wasn't there another one earlier this year there was, I think it had two fishermen on it. It was near Bar Harbor, I think. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but it's just like really troubling when a boat sinks and you can't find them. Like yeah. I would die. I would just, if that was like my loved one, like I, I would be so devastated. Well, your husband works on boats, so I'll, I know it must. Yeah, it, it really hits home. Totally. Yeah, and then you have Dom out at you know. Your brother, yeah, yeah, at, du- at Dutch Harbor. So it's like, Bleh. yeah, I don't like it. So, sending love to all the family members out there. Yeah, you have lost people at sea. It's really tough. Mm. But other than that, I am doing well. Um, and I've just been like really into cooking and cleaning because I'm quarantined, and <laughs> that's what I've been doing. So, me too. What else yeah. are you going to do, you know? I know. But like, and I'm watching a lot of Food Network. So that helps me like learn new things to cook. Mm-hmm. So it's been fun. And that's kind of what's going on. <laughs> I just saw something interesting on Instagram this morning. Um, something about how <clears throat> this December is going to be unseasonably warm. Ew, I know. It kind of creeps me out. Like total global warming situation because... This fall in Maine has been so warm. I think yesterday it was like 55. I know. And I know it's not a good sign and it's not a good thing, but I kind of am going to love it because Me too. <laughs> winters in Vermont and Maine are so brutal. They're so brutal and they last forever. You guys, we have yeah. like four months of summer, like six months of winter. <laughs> oh, and like my birthday's in March and like growing up in Dallas, I was always like, oh, March is so beautiful. Like all the flowers are out. It's so warm here. It's like mud. It's like freezing snow. in April. 
and freezing. <laughs> yeah. And it just like doesn't give it does like it just doesn't end. And then May is still really cold sometimes. Mm-hmm. And even June, like June's like rainy sometimes. I don't know. And then you have July, August, September, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Don't get me wrong though, we do get all the seasons, which is nice. Yeah. We get a beautiful fall. We do. Seasons are important. I couldn't live in a place full time without seasons. Like, I guess, like, people I've talked to in Florida who live there full time, there's, like, not any seasons. It's just, like, warm all the time. Yeah, there are little seasons. My my grandparents live in Florida, so, like, it's definitely chillier there in the winter, but it's much more, yeah, they don't, have, like, we have, like, dramatic seasons where it's five below in the winter and then, like, 95 in the summer. I know, that's true. Yeah, My mom, actually, when she came into town, she kept checking the weather in Dallas and she's like, oh my gosh, it's so much colder in Dallas than it was here, which freaks me out. Yeah, there was a weird situation a couple of days ago. I, I spoke to my grandmother and she said it was 40 in Florida and like 55 here. That's so, that creeps me out. Mm. <laughs> but that's okay. Do? What are you going to do? At least we get a little bit of, well, in, in 2020, we kind of deserve, deserve a warmer um, That's what I said. Like, let's end the year with like a nice, pleasant, warmer than average December so we can still like be outside without freezing our balls off. Yeah. And we, you know, aren't going to be cooped up inside. Exactly. We can take walks. Yeah. We can get a little sunshine. Like I live in kind of an old house and the heating is just really annoying in the winter when it's really cold. I have a wood stove and a furnace. Yeah. But it's still fucking freezing in here in the winter. So I'm kind of looking forward to like a warm. And maybe we can save on our heat bill. Exactly. So. <laughs> Which is really expensive here. So. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, And also it doesn't help that it's getting, that it's been dark here at, I mean, literally by 3.30, the sun's going down and it's just like, I feel like it's midnight at six o'clock. I know. So that hasn't been helping my moods. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's tough when it gets But that's all right. It's warmer. So yeah. we're looking at the positive here. Cool. Um, all right. Should we get into our stories? Oh, um, I have a correction for your story from last episode. Okay, do it. Yes, I want to know. Um, you said that the capital of... Pakistan is Karachi. Uh-huh. But it's actually Islamabad. Okay. The capital was Karachi. Oh. Now, I randomly, I think, heard this on the news the other night. Wow. That's so, like a sign. Yeah. It's not. I didn't <laughs> look it up. weird. <laughs> yeah. I didn't look it up or anything. And I was like, oh. So then I did Google it. And I guess is the capital was moved from Karachi to Islamabad in 1957. So I just wanted to mention that. Oh, wow. So I must have been looking at an article that was lying. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But I had good sources. (laughs) Yeah, I think it probably, yeah, it just wasn't clear in something that you read. Well, I appreciate you correcting me. Do you have any Always correct me. Do you have any for me? Um, (laughs) You're like, no, because I'm not a dick. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I mean, I would correct you, but I just don't know. Like, I've never heard of that story. So I was really fascinated. And um, you didn't make any claims like the capital is this. (laughs) Yeah, I probably will one day, though. Yeah, that's okay. 
Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. I have no idea. You're welcome. At least it was the capital at one point. So I wasn't just like pulling it out of my ass, you know? Totally. And I think it might be the bigger city in the country in Pakistan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They said it was the biggest city in Pakistan, but I also did read capital. Yeah. Um, but maybe I glanced over and didn't realize that they had changed it. I'm not sure. Um, but I appreciate that. Thanks. You're welcome. So you're going to go first. Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So I am going to talk about the most dangerous lightning strikes ever recorded in the world. I'm so excited. Okay. You are going to freak out when I tell you some of this. Okay. I'm not even kidding. Okay. Um, My sources are history.com, lightningmaster.com, standingwellback.com, National Park Services, um, today, Wikipedia, weather.gov, Discovery Magazine, Time, and Aviation Safety Network. So many sources. Yeah, I had to because there was just a lot to go over. So, um, okay. So just a little bit about lightning. Um, some of you may know, but um, I, I didn't know a lot of this. So um, lightning is a natural occurring electrostatic discharge during which two electrons electrically charged regions in the atmosphere or ground temporarily equalize themselves, causing the instantaneous instantaneous release of energy. So that's a scientific. Okay. That's I don't know what that means, but thank you for explaining. You're welcome. I just had to throw it in there for all you <laughs> smart people out there that might get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically it's like two points where energy is created, like a release okay. of energy. Um, Lightning causes thunder, which is a sound from the shock wave, which develops as gases in the vicinity of the discharge experience, the discharge of energy experience, a sudden increase in pressure. Wait, lightning causes thunder? Yes. Okay. Because I've heard... Okay. So I guess when you hear thunder, but you're not seeing the lightning, it's just because... The lightning's too far away. Gotcha. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know... I thought you could have thunder without lightning. No, you can't. That's like so the so the explosion of the release of energy is what causes thunder. Wow. And you can hear you can hear it up to 25 miles away. After that, like you can't hear it. Okay. Um lightning occurs commonly during thunderstorms and other types of energetic weather systems, but get this. But volcan- uh, volcanic lightning can also occur during volcanic volcanic eruptions. Okay. Did you know that? No, I, I've never heard of that. Okay, so volcanic lightning arises from colliding fragmented particles of volcanic ash and sometimes ice, which generates static electricity. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Isn't that crazy? That is I so had no crazy. idea lightning can happen like while an explosion's going on with a volcano. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was crazy. Okay. Okay, so uh, lightning can heat the air. It passes through to 50,000 degree Fahrenheit. Holy shit. Which is five times hotter than the surface of the sun. When lightning strikes a tree, the heat vaporizes any water in its path, possibly causing the tree to explode or strip um, off bark to be blown off. So, yeah, it will like any water in its path, it will just like evaporate. Um. Okay, so it vaporizes water that it hits. Yeah, because it's so hot. 50,000 degrees. Holy crap. Like five times hotter than the surface of the sun. Like, it's crazy. 
actually, that kind of makes sense because I feel like I've seen trees with no bark and someone has explained that it probably got hit by lightning. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And like also like trees that um, catch fire because it's so hot. Like when it gets struck by lightning. Right. Um, um, Okay. So the earth experiences eight to nine million lightning strikes every single day. And a typical... No. Mm -hmm. Eight to nine million every single day. Yes. The earth experiences eight to nine million lightning strikes every single day. Okay. And I got that from like literally a very good source. I think it was discovery. Um, in a typical year, the United States will see about 70,000 thunderstorms somewhere in its territory. This produces approximately 20 million lightning strikes annually, um, in the U S um, there are a hundred million volts in an average lightning bolt, which can be as much as five miles long. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know this, but my mom actually told me about this when I told her my topic, cause she was like, have you ever seen Sweet Home Alabama? And I was like, no, that sounds awful. Okay, I was <laughs> just, first of all, yes, I hate that movie. I love Reese Witherspoon, but I hate this movie. I love Reese Witherspoon, but I just, like, cannot stand some of these, like, rom-coms. Like, okay. just, I can't deal with it. Can I tell you, too, you know, one of the reasons I hate this movie, this is a side note. There's a part in it where Reese Witherspoon's childhood friend has her baby in a bar. Oh, God. And Reese Witherspoon goes, a baby in a bar. Do you remember the night? We won't say who, <laughs> but someone said that to me when we were out at a restaurant. Yes. We were waiting in the bar area for our table, and I had Lola in a carrier. Yes. And someone who we know turned around and goes, a baby in a bar. And I, like, freaked out and left because I was so mad. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that was from that movie. That it's from quote. that movie. And it because remember, Why I did like, you I, even watch that movie. It sounds so awful. It, it won't even go. It's like one of my mom's favorite movies. Oh, my God. My mom are, was like, I love that movie. And I was yeah, like, my, my mom, all she watches are Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon movies. and shows. So, <laughs> yes. OK, so I hate that movie. But I know what you're talking about with the lightning with that movie, too. Okay, so for all of you who haven't seen it, including my, I think I saw like five minutes and I was like, this is terrible. It's so I such turned a it bad off. movie. I, I just can't deal with those. Like, I feel like there's so many like predictable makeshift like rom-coms that, and I just cannot, like, it's kind of like the other movie I hate so much is You Got Mail. <laughs> oh God, with um Tom Hanks. And Meg, whatever. Oh, yeah. oh, I just can't. Anyways, there are some really good ones out there. Like, while you were sleeping. I love yeah, that movie. That's classic. I mean, um, okay. So for all of you who haven't seen that movie, she told my mom told me about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I researched it. When it hits uh sandy beach high in silica or quartz and the temperature goes beyond 3,272 degrees Fahrenheit, the lightning can fuse the sand into silica glass. This is called a fulgurate. So I did look it yes. up and it's really actually cool it's like the lightning will strike sand and literally like glass sculptures are created that stick out of the sand so in the movie reese witherspoon's (laughs) love interest has this like glass barn (laughs) like he sells these things and this like really nice store and he puts like rods in the lake like beach or the beach i think it's you know it's not a lake it's the ocean and then he that's how he he waits for the lightning to strike and then he picks the rods up in like the glass 
sculptures or at the yeah. end of the gods. <clears throat> yeah, that's what he does. For a living? Yeah, and he sells them. But that's like a lot of lightning. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, he has these it's special like, how rods. are you making a living off of that? <laughs> oh, I know. And like one of, I think one of their big like arguments in the movie is when he's like taking the rods out of the sand. <laughs> oh my God, I can't. It's a horrible, so I terrible. hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that so much. Okay. That is cool though, that you could make a pretty glass sculpture out of lightning striking sand though. Yeah. So, um, Okay. According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, it's really dangerous to shower while there's a storm brewing outside. And there's an entire laundry list of activities you should avoid, too, in your house. Yes. Um, And so I kind of knew about this, but I didn't really know, like, why. Um, But so you shouldn't do anything with the sink. Anything with a shower, bathtub, dishwasher, washing machine, or mess with anything that's plugged into the wall, like a lamp or a corded phone. Right. When they're, when it's lightning out. Um, so here's a little story of like why. Um, Dr. Mary Ann Cooper, who is the director of lightning injury research program. That's what it says. Um, so in quotes, she says, um, it can also strike at a distance away. Say it strikes 50 or 100 feet from your house, but some of the wiring or plumbing is going close to that. Um, the lightning can come through like that way, like through your plumbing or your right, um, right. wiring. Um, right. So if you hear thunder, lightning, and within and you're within striking distance, um, it should be your signal to step away from plumbing and electricity to be safe. Wait at least 30 minutes after the storm passes to resume use. Are there people out there that really would get in the shower if they heard thunder and lightning? I've yelled at like family members before. I've yelled at my dad before. I remember when I was a kid, I'm like, are you trying to commit suicide? Right. I'm like, get out of the shower. It's like literally lightning out like everywhere. I don't know who it was, but I just remember like being frustrated, but also I didn't realize like this, it makes sense to not be in the shower, but like, also it makes sense to not be messing in the sink. But I've done that before just because I just didn't know or like washing. I don't know. I just like, didn't think about it. I I would never. Yeah. I don't go anywhere near water if there's lightning and thunder. Yeah. Okay. So in July, 2017, um, 17-year-old Faith Mobley was working at McDonald's in Alabama washing dishes when a storm started to roll through. Um, She said, when I got to the last dish to wash, I filled up the sink. And right when I put my hands in the water, lightning struck the McDonald's and the bank across the street. Oh my God. She told today.com over the phone. Um, I saw a flash of light in front of my face and it was so bright that it burned. I almost fell backwards. She had no idea what happened in the moment. Um, Later, she learned that the current had gone through the plumbing to the faucet and into the standing water in the sink through her headset and down her body. Oh, my God. Um, She said there was a hole through my shoe and a burn mark on the bottom of my foot. Mobley recalled her muscles spasmed, her whole body went tight and she felt like she couldn't breathe. Her, her vision was like super bad too. Um, luckily there were no long-term effects of the strike, but she, uh, but she does claim for a few months after the fact, her vision had somehow improved. Um, Oh, so her vision 
was it was like really bad and then like after and it didn't come back right away right it was so oh. bright oh my god okay you may I'm, you maybe you're going to explain this but i'm how does lightning even go through your body like it goes what channels does it use i don't do you know um i don't know but I like, you know, people do survive it. And I, yeah. I guess it's the way you're grounded. It's kind of like mm. maybe her, like, this sounds so stupid because I don't know the answer, but like maybe she had like a lot of rubber on her at the bottom of her feet, you know, because like when you get struck by right. lightning in a car, apparently the current like goes through the rubber of the tires. So that's why like people can survive in a car. She was probably wearing shoes with like a no grip sole because she was in a kitchen. Right. I mean, a no grip sole, a grippy sole. Or like, like yeah, something with a lot of padding. With like, with like a rubber, with like a rubber sole with like, you know, so she Yeah, because it said like it went through her head, like from the water through her headset down her body. And she might have been standing on a rubber mat if she was. Oh, yeah, because she was at the too. sink. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe that's what saved her life. Oh my rubber gosh. mat. Yeah. So that's Poor honey. Pretty that's so crazy. scary. But she lived. Good. Um, okay. So now I'm gonna get into like some of the most dangerous lightning strikes in the world. Yes. Okay. So Brazil, uh, okay. Brescia, Italy, and it's spelled B-R-E-S-C-I-A. Do you know how to spell that? I think it's Brescia. 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 Russia. Yeah. Russia. Um, okay. Russia, Italy, August 1769. Okay. Lightning struck the Tower of Church of San Nazaro. In the vaults of the church, there were 200,000, sorry, 200,000 pounds of explosives stored. What? Why? I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, for many centuries, gunpowder was stored in churches. There seems to have been a belief that church bells prevented lightning. So this was like in the like in because they're metal. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I guess the opposite is true. The right. tall steeples and towers of a church actually encourage lightning strikes, as we all know, like high objects. Um, but this is back in you know 1769. During thunderstorms, teams of men ring bells in church towers in efforts to prevent lightning from striking. God, we were so dumb <laughs> a couple hundred years ago. I know. Um, during the period 17, during this period from 1753 to 1786, lightning killed 103 French bell ringers. Because mm. they were all up there trying to ring the bells. Yeah, they like, just kept dropping like flies. Yeah. So when this light, so going back to the church, when the lightning um, struck the church um, of San, Nara, uh, Z- sorry, San Nazaro, um, it exploded by being hit by lightning. Nearly a sixth of the city, because of the gunpowder. Right, like, right. Yeah. So the gunpowder exploded and um, everything caught on fire and um, nearly a sixth of the city was destroyed and killed by nearly 3,000 people. Oh, so, God. 3,000 people died because of the fires and everything. Um, okay. In terms of damage and destruction, the Brescia, is that right? I think so, yeah. The Brescia incident is still considered one of the worst lightning strikes in history. 
because it killed that many people. Right. Um, okay, so a little bit before this, so that was in 1769, uh, 16, um, a little bit after this. In 1971, Benjamin Franklin became the wor- uh, the first person. I almost said the worst person. <laughs> <laughs> In 1971, Benjamin Franklin became the first person to initiate explosive um, explosives with electricity. Franklin was extremely active in advising European governments after the Brescia event on the principles of lightning. Um, so he was like trying to advocate and be like, guys, um, at this time, there was a dispute over the best shaped lightning rods and Franklin was saying to use sharp pointed rods on the top of buildings, which we have today, like essentially lightning yeah. rods. Um, but an English man named Benjamin Wilson was urging the use of ball-shaped terminals below the roof line. And um. I, I tried to look up ball-shaped terminals because I was like, <laughs> what is this? Like, I'm trying to picture these like metal balls like under the roof, but like I could not find a picture. What the, the okay, yeah. The argument became political and King George III decided he didn't want American advice. Thanks a lot, King George. Of course he didn't. And Franklin's conductors were replaced on several British roofs with those balls. (laughs) That is so stupid. And then like as late as 1856, gunpowder stored in a church with probably the balls on it um, in Rhodes was hit by lightning and exploded and killed allegedly 4,000 people. Oh my God. So those are some bad lightning strikes. So you said they put the balls (laughs) at the roof line, not on top of the roof. No, it said below the roof, below the roof line. Okay. And maybe that was to like, not like have the roof catch fire. I don't know. There, I really couldn't find a lot about that. I, I did try to look. So if anyone out there knows, like, I mean, I'm, I'm no scientist, but wouldn't the point of a lightning rod being on top of the roof, isn't that a, important that it's the yeah. first thing the lightning would hit? Isn't that why, you know, we don't put them like, you know, well, I think in our driveway, Englishman Benjamin Wilson probably got his balls taken off after <laughs> this fifty-six gunpowder situation. I hope they Rhodes. removed his balls. <laughs> because that they were and, not helpful. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay, so this is also like a, another this is like a theme in the lightning, the worst lightning strikes in the world. So lightning strike um hits Luxembourg. Do you know where that is? Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Germ. Isn't that a city in Germany? Okay, so I thought it was a city too in Germany. It's actually a country. Oh god damn it. How and How I put in my notes. I put in my we notes. sound every episode. <laughs> I put in my notes. I didn't know, but I thought I was so good at geography. geology. I seriously geography, <laughs> not geology. I seriously thought that was a city. Me too. Okay, yeah, isn't it? Okay, I think it now I know it's up next to France, Luxembourg. Yeah, it's nestled between Belgium, Germany, and France. So they're like <clears throat> wow. the bordering countries. Okay. Um, I've heard of it before, but literally thought it was a city until I looked it up. I did. Yeah. Wow. Um, on June 26, 1807, lightning hits a gunpowder factory in the small European country of Luxembourg, killing more than 300 people. So again, um, this gunpowder 
situation, getting struck by lightning is really deadly. Um, Lightning kills approximately 73 people every year in the United States alone, but victims are almost always killed one at a time. Right. Um, 73 is a lot every year to get struck by lightning and die. It does seem like a lot. Yeah. Hmm. That's like, I was going to do math, but I don't want to do it. (laughs) It's like, I was going to say it's like three a month. No, wait. It's like, no, it's like five a month, six yeah. months. Um, okay. The Luxembourg disaster was also considered one of the most deadly lightning strikes in history, um, besides the one I just told you about in Brescia. Um, in eighteen oh seven, Luxembourg was occupied by Napoleon's army. The French um, dictator used the country to stockpile weapons and ammunition. Many underground bunkers were built for this purpose. In the southern Luxembourg city of Kirchberg, a fortress built in 1732 was used as um, an armory. Um, When lightning struck the fortress on June 26, the ammunition house um, within ignited on contact, causing a massive explosion. And so we know that 300 people died, but also two entire blocks were completely um, destroyed by the blast, which caused uh, several other fires to rage nearby. So another tragic wow fire situation with gunpowder. So mm-hmm. gunpowder is so dangerous in yeah. every way. What do we even do with gunpowder now? I'm sure they're like underground in a basement somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I know nothing about guns or gunpowder. I know. I know <clears throat> either. Although I know a little bit, but yeah. Okay. So another terrible fire was the Yellowstone fires during the summer of 1988 Yellowstone national park experienced a severe drought and high winds. Um, one day a lightning storm passed through the park and struck trees and plants, setting them ablaze in all nearly 42 fires were caused directly by lightning strikes, burning approximately seven, um, 50, th- sorry, 750,000 acres um, combined the winds near combined with the winds, nearly 40% of the park caught fire and burned to the ground, which is so terrible. I didn't know about that. Yeah. That was in 1988. Um, a large amount of wildfire. Uh, wow. Oh my God. A large amount, <laughs> a large amount of wild life perished mm. in the fire as well. So the poor Buffalo mm. and the That's bears awful. and all that. Okay. Also, there was a New York City blackout. Um, The blackout of New York City in 1977 is a well-known incident. And I put in my notes that I had no idea about. Did you know about that? Yes, because something else culturally significant happened during that blackout. Oh. That I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. know Yeah. I just, I remember something about the big... New York City blackout in the 70s. Okay. So electrical power to the city was lost for nearly 25 hours, which is an entire day, um, creating fear and confusion among population. Um, What most people do not know is that the lightning um, strike, a lightning strike caused the entire city to blackout, which. Oh, yeah. Um, the utility company supplying New York city at the time was, um, called consolidated Edison and it was located in Westchester County. So like that place got struck and it caused the whole city to go out. I can't, I can't even imagine like New York city just all shutting down. It happened a few years ago. 
I kind of remember that, but it wasn't for very long, right? It was like for, it was like at night. I don't know. It ha- yeah, I think it happened like four or five years ago. Yeah. But I, th- I think it was for a while. Maybe not uh, a whole day, but. Yeah, I'll have to Google that. I kind of remember something about that. I just don't know the details. Um, when a lightning storm occurred near the plant one day, a lightning bolt struck one of the high tension wires causing a major short circuit. Life came to a grinding halt in New York City as subways and elevators stopped working. So people must have been trapped in the subway. Yeah. They had to be, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Like people, like this, in, like they were probably like in one of the trains and it yeah. just like stopped. Like a ton of people at any given time. There must be thousands of people in the Yeah. Subway. That's scary. Okay, are you ready to, like, freak out? And I have to, like, warn all of you to, like, maybe skip ahead if you hate flying. Oh, oh no. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Deep breath. Okay. So, personally, personally, I am terrified of flying, and I actually am prescribed Xanax by my doctor every time I fly. You and I have not flown together yet. I know we will one day. We both hate flying and have to take drugs and drink alcohol in order to even get on a plane. <laughs> yes. It's like really scary to me. And like, I've had some really bad incidences. Like one time we were landing in a blizzard in Portland and my plane went off the runway and we did like a 360 in the snow. We couldn't see anything. Like I've, ha- there's just been so many bad flights that I've had that literally I'm, I need Xanax. Yeah. 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 Same. And you and I, once we do finally fly together, we'll hold our sweaty palms together, our hands. <laughs> We're going to have to hire like a handler who like <laughs> just like makes sure that we don't overdose <laughs> on all the things that we need when we fly. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Okay. Is it safe to fly in lightning in a lightning storm? The answer, one expert says, is a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, standard commercial airplanes are designed to take lightning strikes, says Professor John Hansman, per, uh, who is the professor of aeronautics and aeronautics. Aeronauticals, maybe. Well, it says professor of aeronautics and aeronautics. Okay. I don't. I might. I Typo. Might have heard that. <laughs> Typo. <laughs> I, think, I don't think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Anyways, he's the director of the International Center for Air Transportation at MIT, which is a really good school. I know. For safety reasons, planes hit by lightning mid-flight undergo inspection after landing in most cases. Um, The aircraft is either unharmed or sustains only minor damage. Um, Newer airlines like Boeing 787 and the Airbus A350 are made with a higher proportion of composite materials like carbon fibers, resulting in reduced electrical conductivity of the fuselage and wings. So, like, when you book your flight next time, try to get, like, a Boeing 787. I thought we like, were avoiding Boeing. Avoiding Bo- Boeing. Well, we were avoiding the 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 MAX, the three, I think it's right. like 737 Oh, so the Airbus is. That's what JetBlue is. Isn't it all... Oh no! Is that a but the Airbuses are really bad too because they keep crashing in the ocean. No, I thought that that was the that's the Boeing Max. Airbus is different. Well, that one too, but the Airbus was like the the France one that went down oh, in the ocean. Jeez, 
I know. I'm like, I'm such a creep when I like book my flights. I'm like looking at the airline, I'm looking at the flight number. Oh, yeah. I don't. There's certain <laughs> airlines I completely avoid. I will never step foot on them. Yeah. And I like will look at the plane type. I'll be like, is this safe? I always feel safe on JetBlue. Yeah. But like they had that one time where like a jet fl- uh, JetBlue flight was like trying to land and the wheels wouldn't go down. Yeah, but there it was fine. They were fine. That's the worst that's ever happened. I know. Anyway. At least like people aren't getting sucked out the window like on Delta, which was so no, terrible. No, that was Southwest. That was not Delta. That oh, yeah, Southwest. that was Southwest. Oh, my God. And then didn't it like a, a window break again, like right afterwards? Honestly, probably. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry, guys. We're just like. Yeah. So so you <laughs> can ahead. you your plane can get hit by lightning and be fine. Yeah, but I think they lied because actually that's not true. That's not true. I'm about to tell you about some of the worst disasters, um, aviation disasters from planes being struck by lightning. But all of these happened um, like later, like earlier. When the planes were like metal. (laughs) Yeah. So like, to be fair, like, I think they've improved it, but I just wanted to go into it. One of the worst lightning strikes involving aviation occurred in 1963, which again, a long time ago, Um, a Pan Am flight was preparing to land in Philadelphia when it was struck by lightning. A portion of the wing tore off and the fuel tank ignited, killing all 81 passengers and crew on board. (gasps) So fucked up. (laughs) And like, sorry. Again, I think that the movie, what's the movie where the plane goes up and explodes? Um, flight, whatever, you know. <laughs> no, I don't. What? Oh, I'll think of it. You know, it's Final Destination. Final oh, yeah. Destination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the beginning, I think they're going to Paris or something. That, that movie ruined my life. I, I watched that scene and I, I couldn't finish the movie. Yeah, it ruined my life. I can't fly anymore. Like that's, yeah. Well, you do fly though. All the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just take drugs. You're like my jet setter friend. <laughs> okay. So, and then TWA flight 891, um, June 26, 1959 in Milan, Italy. And this was during climb. So, you know how like landing and um, mm-hmm. going up is like the worst part of it, apparently. Um, when flight 891 departed Milan, light rain was falling with a low overcast. And a ceiling of around 2,000 feet um, with, uh, with visibility of approximately two miles. Uh, there was also thunderstorms in the area. 12 minutes after takeoff, the flight crew reported the aircraft was climbing through 10,000 feet. A few minutes after that, the Starliner suffered structural failure and broke up in midair due to no. a lightning strike. Everyone no. on board was killed. Yes, I know. That's my <laughs> legit biggest fear is being on a plane and it breaking like a Lego plane. I can't. And also, like, I'm never flying in a storm again. I will literally cancel my flight. Well, I, how, because how? But some storms just come in and out. Like, how are you? How do you? I don't know. I, do, I feel like now they don't take off if there's a storm. Yeah. You know, they have better technology. They're safer. Now. But like also what I read above about like how they build planes now it's like less electricity that doesn't go to like the fuel tank listen every time there's a plane crash flying gets safer 
Yes. Because they figure out what went wrong. Yeah. It's like, I want to travel the world, but I don't want to be in a plane crash. I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just a couple more. Um, Lansa flight 508, December 24th, right before Christmas, 1971 in Peru, um, Porta Inca, Peru. And they were up in the air. Um, the flight was operated as scheduled domestic passenger flight by Linius Eres, uh, Nationalis Societat. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I was trying to like spell it Lanza, but I'm just going to say Lanza. Um, it crashed in a thunderstorm en route to uh, Lima. Mm-hmm. The sole survivor. Okay, so a lightning strikes it. It crashes. The sole survivor was a 17-year-old girl named Julianne Kopeck. Uh, who, while strapped to her seat, fell 2,800. No. Um, it says miles? That's not right. No, feet, probably. Well, okay, no, 9,200 feet. Oh, my God. So she was strapped to her seat and fell. Like, just, out of she's the just air. in her seat falling through the, through the air. Yeah, she's like, Which is, was, like that's those movies. Happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. Into the Amazon rainforest. She survived the fall. And was able to walk through the jungle for 11 what? days until being rescued by local lumbermen. How do you... She, so she, did, she didn't have broken bones? I don't like, know. How do you... It just says, like, she fell out of her seat after the plane, like, exploded. And, like, literally, like, went into the jungle and then, like, walked her way to find somebody, to find help. Oh, my God. It also said the Electra was Lance's last aircraft. The company lost its operating permit 11 days later. So mm. I don't know if there was also like issues with the plane, Maybe. but it definitely was struck by lightning. And that's the reason it like broke apart. Well, don't, like, don't they say about plane crashes? There's always like three things that have to go wrong. Yeah. It's never just one thing. It's never just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's they're... why they always have backup for like literally every single thing. Yeah. Maybe they're mechanical. The the state of the plane mechanically wasn't where it needed to be. I don't know, but that story is incredible. I Julianne out there, if you, if you are here with us, yeah. right? Like call us. Like call we need to us. talk to you. <laughs> we want to. We want to talk to you. Let's see. This was back in 1971. So please. Like, let us know. We want to, we want to talk. I think that's incredible. That's, I've, I've never heard that story. That's unreal. I, I want to, like, how I do you survive a book that? about that? <sighs> like, I want to read it. Okay. Um, there are Iran Air Force Flight 58, which is a military flight, May 9th, seven, uh, 1976, um, in Madrid, Spain. Um, it was landing. The crew was aware that they were flying into poor weather conditions, but none of them expressed any concern until 2.34 p.m. when a crew member said, we're in the soup. Um, three seconds later, uh, two witnesses on the ground reported seeing lightning strike the aircraft, followed by an explosion on the left wing near the engine. Um, the left wing exploded into three large parts and disintegrated into 15 fragments. And there was 10... Uh, crew and seven pa- uh, seven passengers on board. That was a military flight, so that's really sad. Oh. And then uh, Kuwait Air Force in 1980, it crashed just north of Montemiller after a lightning strike, and the fatalities was eight crew. 
Um, I couldn't really find a lot about that. And then this mm-hmm. is the last one that I um, have to tell you about today. The Nuremberger Fluidinist uh, <laughs> Flight 108, um, February 8th, 1988 in Ketwig, Germany. Um, there were two crew and 19 passengers on board. Flight 108 took off from Han- uh, Hanover Airport at 7.15 a.m. and was on approach to runway 24 at Dusseldorf Airport by 7.50 a.m. in a thunderstorm. The captain of the flight was Ralph Bordoff, uh, Borstoff, who was 36, and the first officer was Sibyl Hillman, who was 29. At 7.56 a.m., both flight recorders abruptly stopped recording and the aircraft disappeared from secondary uh, radar. Two minutes later, pieces of the Metro 3 impacted near Ketwig adjacent to the Rur River, killing all 21 on board. Wow. Um, Okay. So that's, like, terrifying. So, again check your weather before you fly, but I think it's way safer now, but I I still don't care. (laughs) Yeah. I will change my flight. I will pay another hundred dollars to change my flight. If it's, if there's a thunderstorm going on and they're taking off. I don't think they would though. I don't, maybe not. I don't think they're doing it anymore. Yeah. I was in an airport one time and there was a storm and I remember like there was a pilot in line somewhere and my mom asked him what, how you handle lightning. Mm-hmm. And he literally goes, we're just trying to fly around it. I'm not kidding. Oh my <laughs> we were God. like, oh, okay. How do you even know where it's going to hit? That's like the other scary. I know. Lightning. That's what didn't make sense about his response. We were like, okay. Okay. Thank you. That's crazy. Captain. Okay. So I have a very special announcement. <laughs> I am going to actually have one of my friends call in to this podcast because he was struck by lightning himself and is here to tell his tale. I am so excited about this. I know. So, um, let's, uh, let's have him call in. Okay. Hey Ludo. How's it going? Hi Kitty. I'm doing great. Good to hear from you guys. I know. We're so, so happy to have you um, on our podcast. And thank you so much for calling in. Um, basically, uh, we wanted to interview about uh, interview you about the time that you were struck by lightning <laughs> and survived. Yay! <laughs> yeah, cra- crazy experience. You know, it's, uh, it's been, a, it, it's, it's been um, how do you say, uh, a, a challenging time, but... What, what do you guys want to know exactly about it? Uh, what... Like, where were you? Start with the, well, like, where, what you were so doing. So it's a, um, so I was used, so when I was younger, you know, uh, so like about 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I was uh, doing a lot of work, uh, you know, summer holidays, you know, like how everyone does, you know, you find a job for the summer, you're trying to make a, a bit of money on the, on the side. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, because I'm from the south of France, okay. Uh, at that time, you know, the best in the summer is to go walk on the beach, right? All the tourists come there, you know, it's, it's crowded, you know, there is a lot of business going on. So it, it's great, a great place to find like a, uh, you know, a, a summer job. Yeah. So I was, I was living in a, you know, in a, in, so I think if I remember well, it was in Biscarros. So Biscarros is a, is a very 
touristic destination in the south of France. And um, so I was there for the for the two months. All right, I was about like twenty yeah twenty years old, I think twenty one. Mm-hmm. And um, and basically, what I will be doing there. Uh, going short, you know, like on the experience, but like I will, I will be working on the morning to do preparation, you know, like for a restaurant. And uh, so I would wake up very, very early to do that. And what I like to do usually was when I was done with work is to go for a, a run, you know, on the beach while like everything was still very quiet, you know, like, so I will finish around seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. With, uh, I will go for a run, you know, it's quiet, it's nice. You have a beach for yourself, you know, before all the tourists invite that you know? mm. uh, so I will do that and um, so that particular morning apparently because uh, as you can imagine when you get struck by lightning uh, you don't you don't remember much after that right uh, but uh, apparently some people were following me not following me but were behind me when I was uh, doing my walk slash jog you know and um, those people reached out to me after right to say like listen you know we've we witnessed this, you know, we really want to share it about it with you because, you know, what we think it's crazy what happened and like we could not believe our eyes when we saw it, you know. Uh, but basically when I was walking or running that day, uh, you know, what the way the people describe it behind me was like, well, we were just following you or walking with you and suddenly like a, a huge bubble of light just surrounded you. Oh right? my gosh. Um, and, uh, and, and he, he looked like it lasted for like so long, but he went very fast as you can imagine, but like you totally disappear under like that light bubble. And like, suddenly you're just like, like if you were ejected from something from a car or something, but you just burst out of it, you know, oh and, uh, we're on the floor. And, um, so apparently I didn't know that before, but apparently it happened a lot in, in on the beach at Biscarros because of the surfers, you know, usually they connect because they're in the water. But what they explained me, to me here, what they think happened, it, it was a, a summer storm, i.e. like it was not cloudy or anything, but uh, it was just a one-off. And, uh, and apparently what happened probably is like with the war, you know, because of the war, there is a lot of like metal things under the sand. Oh, I basically yeah. connected. Basically, I was the fuse or the connector with what's under. And so essentially, went. like the storm was like not even like right over you, but it was like coming. But you, so you felt kind of safe, like just walking around. Yeah, it felt safe. You know, like uh, that would be the usual what I do. And um, and you know, I don't know if it's bad luck or anything. But, you know, you know, I'm alive, so I cannot talk about bad luck, but. Uh, yeah, so it, it was just like nothing, no, no signs, basically. It was just uh, no storm, not rain. You know, it was just like a, a one-off like this. So, Did you wake up right away or were you passed out for a little bit? Like, how did you recover? So I got lucky. So talking about good luck or bad luck. So I got lucky because he actually just happened in front of the lifeguard uh, house. You know, you get on the beach. And I think they were just setting up for the day or something. And... Um, so they were able, like in like in a few seconds, just to be on the spot. And uh, so they uh, they brought into the helicopter to bring me to the the, the closest hospital. But well, so what happened is uh, my heart stopped twice. You know, like during oh, the, no. uh, the trip from the beach to the hospital. Oh. And 
and uh, and I was basically for weeks in a coma after that. Uh, oh my gosh, were you burnt or anything? Like, was your clothes like burnt? Like, well, so the the clothes were like sh- you know, it's very interesting because my shoes were melted. Um, oh my gosh, uh, the, the my I was wearing a jean that day, and the jean was basically like if you use a razor and cut it in pieces, right? And um, and my, I had a, a, a neck T-shirt, and the T-shirt was literally totally burned. And um, so, it, and and you know what's funny is like at the beginning. So now it's gone. I still have some marks. So at the feet, on the head, you know, because he struck me on the head, went through the the, the body, and like get out from the feet. And showing uh, me like the scar on your head. So I, I still have the scar on the head. I didn't get removed. And, uh, Got the scars on on the feet as well, um, but you could see like the first few months, you could still see on the skin where the the the, the lightning went through the body, um, and um, and so I got lucky because he went basically right by the spy, and they thought that the spy would have been probably damaged. So so anyway, uh, when I woke up after a few weeks of coma, you know, like uh, I had to relearn how to walk and and everything. You are so wow. lucky. I am lucky. <laughs> and they don't have, they don't really have a reason of like why or how you survived. Like were you, was there something specific or is it just luck? I, I think it's luck, you know, like the, actually there is two experts. So apparently in the entire France, there is only two experts in that domain mm-hmm. or, or maybe just mm-hmm. one. And, and when the guy, uh, I forgot his name, you know, it's been a long time, but anyway, uh, when the guy, uh, learn about what happened he contacted me as well because he wanted to do some testing yeah and um and, and really try to understand what went happened right because yes usually you die usually you don't yeah. survive this is incredible. Uh, so yeah he wanted to do a bunch of tests and everything and uh but you know i was not in a good shape and the guy was just trying to stick needle inside me and i was like you know what yeah you're like, <laughs> i've not- been through enough man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in this at this stage, right? Yeah. And uh, so he tried to contact me a few times again, but, uh, you know, I think I just moved on a bit. But yeah, yeah that's that's what happened, you know? Um, oh my gosh, what... I'm so, so glad you're alive. And that's, thank you so much for sharing your story because like none of us have any idea like on, you know, the effects of this. Yeah, that's a, that is a yeah. crazy story. Yeah. And the people behind you that saw you light up in a bubble my well you know this was like because i totally forgot about it right i have no recognition about it but the intensity the way they were talking about what they witnessed you know was you could say it in their uh feel it in their voice they were like like in shock still i bet um so just some background information uh ludo and i have known each other for maybe like 10 plus years ludo like it was a while it's been a while it was a while was a good time though. We had we such a good time. A... We met in London. London yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we've just been friends for a long time. And it's so, so awesome that you came on to the podcast again. Um, just so you know, we're covering just like natural disasters, anything like Mother Earth related. So this is really helpful and we really appreciate you calling in. Well, that's really interesting. I think, you know, all this experience sharing and, um, uh, you know, sharing the, the, this moment, it's key, you know, like today people want it and need it. So I think it's a great work what you guys are doing. And, uh, and I love your voice on the podcast. Thank Actually, you. you have great voice. I don't know if you're using <laughs> anything, but uh, 
sound very podcast uh, material. Oh, that's uh, so awesome. Thank oh. you, Ludo. We really appreciate you. And um, yeah, we you love sound your awesome. voice too, Ludo. <laughs> you have an amazing accent. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, good. Uh, Katie, great hearing from you. So I wish you all the best of luck with this. I think it's really cool what you're doing, guys. And uh, and if you need anything else, let me know. And uh, yeah, so, sorry for this morning. It's been a bit crazy on my end. Oh, no, you're totally fine. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much, Ludo. Yes, thank you Take so care, much. Take care, guys. Good luck. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Wow, Ludo. That was so great. That was cool. I just... It's so interesting because I knew he was struck by lightning, but I never really, he never, him and I never talked about like the whole account and what happened for some reason. But I remember him showing me the scar and I was like, that is insane. Like, I can't believe he was just walking on the beach and there wasn't a storm anywhere near and he just happened. And how, how fascinating is that? That left over from the war, there was like buried metal. I know. And he was the conductor. And yeah. And he just happened to be walking over a piece. I also didn't realize he was in a coma for that long and had to relearn how to walk. Like, oh my God. Oh I mean, God. Yeah. what an incredible story. Ludo, thanks so much. Yeah. Oh, Ludo, that was the awesome. I love Our his, first call in. I love his voice too. I know. Awesome accent. Great accent. It. Um. Yeah, that was just incredible. And like, I just love hearing stories mm-hmm. you know, directly from the source of, you know, yeah, firsthand, firsthand survival stories are, are what we yeah. want to hear. Very cool. Okay. Should we, should I do mine now? Yeah. I cannot wait for yours. Tell me all about it. I think you're going to be into it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the shark attack capital of the world. Oh, my gosh. Sharks. Ah! Now, where <laughs> what? Where do you think the shark attack capital of the world is? I know where it is. Where is it? Florida. Yes. Yay! I'm like really into sharks, but I'm yeah. me. Okay. So more specifically, the technical capital is New Smyrna Beach. Oh. Florida. Okay. Which is on the Atlantic side of Florida. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But we're going to talk about the entire state of Florida and its history of shark attacks. Wow. Mother Earth, you just keep on bringing us some good content you just throw in so many risks and dangers mother earth (laughs) i'm um okay so my sources are the new york times uh wikipedia couldn't couldn't live without wikipedia I, i couldn't either um the daytona beach news journal florida shark living and the international shark attack database Okay. Um, I think I said that right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm terrified of sharks. Me too. But you swim in the ocean. I do not swim in the ocean for that reason. I thought you did swim in it a couple I times. U- I used to when I was younger. I would never swim in the ocean now. I, I, okay. I, I can't. Well, this year changed a lot for me. Um, just sidebar. Um, I never had a problem like jumping off my sister's boat in the middle of the ocean to swim or like 
swimming to the raft, like from the beach, never had an issue until this year when a great white, mm-hmm. like ripped a lady in half. Yeah. Literally like 10 miles away from where we go to our beach. Yes. So that was Maine's first fatal shark attack ever. Yeah. And like, I think global warming or something is bringing them in more um, because that's just never been a thing. And I've never even thought of sharks. And now I like, I'm having a really hard time swimming in the ocean. (laughs) Well, okay. So I actually take that back. I would swim in the ocean if I was in like the Caribbean or something. And it's like that, yeah, that clear turquoisey water where you can, yeah, you can see everything around you. Yeah. Like Maine has like dark yeah. Darker water. Yeah. But even then, I don't I I wouldn't be in the ocean for a long time. It I would right. just I would be so anxious. Oh, and then really quick, um, right before that shark attack, literally three days before, um, we were on my sister's boat and we were near Harpswell, which is like where it happened. And mm. she was like, it was so hot that day. And she's like, Do you guys she just like stopped the boat? She's like, Okay, who wants to jump off? And cool down. And I just had this weird feeling. And I was like, nah, I don't really oh feel God. like it. And that was right by the shark attack. Okay. Like so days before. So, oh. so this, this particular attack, the woman was 20 yards from shore with her daughter. And which they is were like not far. Right. And they were off of Bailey Island, which yeah. is off of Harpswell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, we, I've been to Bailey Island. Have you been? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, it is like, right. It's like a, one of the far islands out. So like the, the deep oceans, like right next to it, but like still 20 yards, you don't think like you're going to get eaten by a shark because you're like close enough. Now I heard that she was wearing a black wetsuit. She was. Okay. So that's like a seal that didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't do that, guys. If you're going to wear a wetsuit, like, wear, like, a bright yellow or something. But you do not want to look like a seal. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I used to swim in the ocean. I used to surf. I've surfed in places like Hawaii and Puerto Rico. It never bothered me. Surf. Because, like, I don't know how to surf at all. I've tried, and it's really hard. It is hard. But I also – I used to be in a place emotionally where I could – be out on a board in the in the ocean and like be fine. I would never you be able the to do that. the intercom. I would never be able to do that now. I would be way too paranoid about sharks. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a lake person, also. But you don't like I know. lakes, right? I, I think lakes are just not my thing. I know that's so weird to me. You said it makes like you feel like you're like slimy. Yeah, it always feels slimy. But like, oh, salt water is like sticky. I know, but the salt's like so good for your skin and hair. Yeah, it's that's like, true. Oh. Okay. I so, mean, not all lakes are slimy, <clears throat> just that way, but yeah. some, a lot of them, I feel like that. And I just, I always like get hit by like a fish or something, I feel like, on my feet. Well, what about the ocean? I don't, I don't know. The ocean's I full of crab this summer and it really freaked me out. It like ran over my toes. <laughs> God, I love crabs. They're so cool. I know. Okay. So um, back to Florida. So uh, Florida has one of the largest concentrations of sharks in the world. Mm. Um, And it's not just the shark attack capital of the world because people just like felt like naming it that or because there happened to be a lot of attacks. That's actually based on data collected by the International Shark Attack File. Huh. 
which is an organization that maintains a database of every single shark attack in the entire world. Wow. Whether it's fatal or not. Okay. Um, so New Smyrna Beach wasn't crowned the shark attack capital of the world just for, you know, shits and giggles. Basically. Yeah. Like it, it's actually rooted in numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so New Smyrna Beach is in Volusia County on the East Coast Atlantic Ocean side of the state. It's a little north of central Florida. And mm-hmm. it's, it's below Daytona Beach. Okay. Um, so, like I said, Florida has a huge concentration of sharks. Why um, is that? Are you going to get into that? Or is that why? I don't know if I wrote down, like, why that is. It just There just are a lot of okay. sharks in off the coast of Florida. Maybe it just has to do with, like, the way the water is and, like, the warmth of it. I don't know. Well, okay. So, they're... In the New Smyrna area, specifically, there's an annual migration of two different types of common sharks. Um, one is the black tip and one is the spinner shark. Mm-hmm. And in the summer months, they that's when their mi- migration period is. So that just adds to the shark population. Yeah. And the summer months are when the beaches are the busiest. Yeah. So according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's fisheries, since 2000, populations of sandbar shark, blacktip shark, and Atlantic sharp-nosed shark, as well as other shark species, has steadily increased in the South Atlantic coast of the U.S. Okay. Yeah. So there's just more sharks every year. And, and like, are those, like, three, like, newer sharks that are showing up? Like new newer types because like, no, aren't there like tiger and like? Well, yeah. So they're tiger and bull sharks are responsible for most of the attacks. Yeah, they're like dangerous sharks. Yeah, but these other sharks I just mentioned, they are also dangerous, and they they, they have large populations in the area. Yeah. Um. So. There have been hundreds of shark attacks just in this area alone. Ew, why would you swim there? Um, well, <laughs> okay. So I was thinking about this there. So I read an article in the New York times by this surfer chick that lives in New Smyrna. She wrote, I don't know if it was like an op-ed, but she was just saying like, it's just normal to see sharks. If you're, if you live there, if you swim, people see sharks every time they swim and it's just like whatever yeah they're like accustomed to it it doesn't bother them well so here in vermont during the summer especially it's normal to see a bear yeah it's totally normal like i had bears basically camping out in my on my property all summer i I like trying to attack rocco your dog yeah i lived in like bear nation i would be so scared to like take walks in your area Oh, well, so, so many people in my community would say like, oh, I went off, you know, I went for a, a bike ride or a hike and I saw a bear and cubs. Like, it's just normal to see bear in the wild here and you know what to do unless you're a total moron. Yeah. So in the same way that people that live in that area and, you know, go swimming at their local beaches, they know what to do. They know not to panic. They know they're probably not going to get attacked. Yeah. You know, they know to like... I mean, I'm not exactly sure how to handle a shark sighting, but, 
you know, like here with bears, like, you know, to like back away, you know, not run, you know, to make like a lot of noise if they're coming towards you. Like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty rare to mm-hmm. have an actual like altercation with a bear. Do you bring bear spray with you everywhere you go? I like don't bring walks. No, I bring a bear horn. Oh, I've never even, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> it's a little, it looks like a little canister of spray, but it's uh-huh. actually a super loud, terrible horn. So it just like scares them off. It, to- it totally, I've never had to use it, but I like, if I go for a hike, um, I'll bring it with me. Or even okay. like if we just go to the local little lake and go fishing or something, I have it in my, yeah, my bag. That's smart. I'm glad you have something, but just in case. Like, you know, all summer when I would go for walks and stuff just on the road, I'm on back roads. I was super on edge because you just never know when a fucking bear is going to just start heading towards you from the woods. Yeah. If I ever take walks with you there, I'm going to bring like a lot of things (laughs) because I just I would be scared. But it really isn't that big of a deal. Like the chance of a bear attacking you. And I think you know, statistically in places like New Smyrna, you're probably not going to get attacked by a shark if you're swimming. They're they're not going to touch you. They're going to swim near you and, yeah, you know, so same kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another little stat is uh, since 1882, a third of all the shark attacks in the world have happened in New Smyrna. Wow. New Smyrna a Beach. third? A third. That's crazy. And an attack could be as simple as like the shark like bumping you with its like mouth to see what you are. That's that that is considered an attack. So keep that in mind. Really? Like just a little nudge, like, hey. Mm-hmm. How do I okay? Yeah, because they're technically touching you and they they didn't run into you. Like they are seeing what you are. Are they touching you with their nose or their teeth? Their nose or like they kind of take a nibble of you and. Ew. And it, can, can they smell you? Can they tell, but can they smell? I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I think they can. Cause sharks can sense blood in the water. Yeah. Is that a smell thing? Or I don't know. That, yeah. I should. I don't, I didn't look that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to picture like. It tapping like I can tell like it makes sense for them to take a chunk out of you to see like what you are because usually if they find out you're a yes. human they're like never mind but like just bumping into you that's like I don't get that but all right so okay so we will get to that also I have more about that okay okay so here's some more numbers for you oh gosh there have tell been a, <laughs> there have been 183 recorded fatal shark attacks in the U.S. What? In the history of the U.S. 183? Yes. 183-ish deaths. And that's, like, just recorded. Like, think about, like, back in the day. Yeah. Like, so that's... They don't even have those. It's okay. around that number. Yeah. Um, The majority have happened in Florida and Hawaii. Okay. And Florida has had around 40 of them. Wow. Because, you know, shark attacks, fatal shark attacks are still super rare. Yeah. Um, so we don't have 2020 stats yet, obviously. But mm-hmm. in 2019, worldwide, 
there were 64 unprovoked shark attacks on humans and five fatalities. That's like a really big number, 64 shark attacks and then five, like for shark attacks. Actually, so 2019, there were less shark attacks than usual. Usually it's like more in the 80s and 90s every year. Ew. Yeah. Weird. Um, In the scheme of things, that's not like... Well, it's thing. so it's so it's such a small percentage of the people on Earth that are in the ocean every day, you yeah. know. Um, so most shark attacks involve that exploratory bite we talked about. So basically, the shark bites you, grabs onto you with its teeth, Ew. like figures out it doesn't want to eat you, releases you, and leaves you with that like half moon formation of teeth gashes that Ew. you've seen on TV, probably. Yeah. Also, really quick, if you if if this shark is like a great white, though, you're probably dead (laughs) if it tries to figure out what you are and takes a bite because it's so big and so aggressive. Yes. And you know what? This. All of like the shark attacks with Florida. Yeah. Involve no great whites, by the way. That's crazy. Okay, so um, this is appropriate for this episode also you're more likely to get struck by lightning than to be killed by a shark. No way. Yeah. That's insane. I know. Also pop quiz. Most people think the most, like one of the most dangerous like animals like in the world is a shark, but guess what it is? What? A mosquito? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Okay. Well, I was trying to quiz you. Well, (laughs) I'm just too smart. I know. Um, Okay. So, when you're swimming in the ocean in Florida or you're on a boat, you're largely unaware of just of just how many sharks there are around you and under you. You're unaware? Yeah. Like, you really don't oh. know. See, that's the thing. How many times have I been swimming in the ocean and maybe there was, like, five sharks under me and I just didn't know? Yeah. Ew. Um, <laughs> I, that's why I, don't, now. why I don't swim in the ocean. It's such a, like, gamble. Yeah. Um, And bull sharks are the number one killer in Florida. Fatal attack. Yeah, they're really aggressive. Yeah. And I wonder why. Like, they they must. They're just assholes. I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, okay. So, in 2019, um, in New Smyrna Beach area, there was a colder ocean current or upwelling. So an upwelling is when cold, nutrient-rich water from the bottom of the ocean rises to the surface. Mm-hmm. And it's cloudy and it's filled with food that attracts bait fish. Okay, yeah. Larger fish. Yeah. And this attracts sharks. Yep. So this happened in July last year. Mm-hmm. Um. And this brought a lot of sharks closer to shore. Okay. Like at the peak summer month when the most people are on the beach. Yeah, that's weird. It's it's always weird also like in water, like when you're swimming, like that the cold is like, maybe it's like really warm up top and then your feet are like freezing. So all of that like rose up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, a really dangerous place in terms of sharks to to be in the ocean is the sandbar. 
Did That's you know so that? weird because I thought it would be safer at the sandbar because like I did too. Stand. No. Okay. So if if you don't know what a sandbar is, because some people, I mean, I like technically know what it is, I guess, but I had to look up the definition. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's a long, narrow sand bank. It's also called an offshore bar. Um, it's a submerged or partly exposed ridge of sand or coarse sediment that is built by waves offshore from a beach. Mm-hmm. The swirling turbulence of waves breaking off a beach excavates a uh, trough. Is that how you say that? A, tr- a trough in the sandy bottom. Yeah, I don't know, but that makes sense. Yeah. So sandbars are a gr- are great hunting grounds for sharks because great. Fish, fish that they eat tend to gather on and around the sandbar. So the sandbar is not where you want to be. Oh, that's great because I was on a sandbar this year in the middle of the ocean thinking I was fine, which nope. was after the shark attack being like, oh, I'm not going to get killed here. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you. we really have to like figure out your high-risk behaviors. Situation. We I really... We need to sit down and make a list and figure <laughs> out how you can be safer next summer. Okay. Because you really stress me out. <laughs> You're like on a boat all summer in the ocean. Uh, oh, my God. I thought the sandbar was safe. No, it's not. Um, okay. So let's get into the shark attacks. Oh, God. Okay. So the first recorded shark attack in Florida history was in September of 1845. Okay. A man by the name of Nickerson um, is... <laughs> that's all they gave me for his name. Oh, Nickerson. I just like the way you said it. Nickerson. Um, so a man, Nickerson, is drawing a sane net. A sane net. S-E-I-N-E. Uh-huh. Um, it's a fishing net that hangs vertically in vertically in the water with floats at the top and weights at the bottom near the edge. Yeah. And then you yeah. the edges are drawn together to encircle the fish. You've seen it, you know? Yeah. Um. So this, he's doing this near Pensacola, which is the westernmost city in the Florida panhandle, like on the border with Alabama. Um, I'm assuming he's in a boat and he's lifting the net and out okay. of nowhere, a shark seizes him out of the boat stop and, and kills him no he's in a boat he's in like a little boat what kind of shark was this a great white it's unknown they don't know that must have been a great white because like i don't know about that i don't know there's no because you know how like great whites can jump really high yeah and eat their fish that's what i'm thinking or eat their whatever it, i could have i don't know there was it's a lot of these stories um from like you know in the 1800s 1900s they don't know what kind of shark it was right they just didn't have the they didn't have the technology to um tell by the bite marks and other factors yeah okay so um, did someone like watch him get eaten by this or was he like i don't know if there was a witness or if they put two and two together that he was in the boat he was lifting the net out and the shark just came up and like Ripped him out of the boat, basically. Yeah, there must have been some kind of witness. I'm assuming. Maybe, yeah. Okay, so a um, couple years later, in 1849, um, same area of Pensacola, 
mm-hmm. a woman by the name of Mrs. Crackton, mm-hmm. and this is literally what it says in Wikipedia, was bathing with another woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like the in ocean. The, okay. Bathing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. What, I'm, I'm imagining two women in like their little like silk dressing gowns. Yeah, and I, you know how they call it bathing suits, so it's probably like their term for bait, like. Swimming. Oh, maybe they meant swimming. Yeah, but it's <laughs> bathing with another woman. <laughs> okay, um, so they're bathing, and um, <laughs> a shark comes out of nowhere, bites her, and pulls her into deeper water. Ew. Um, a, a man who's also on the beach, he was probably watching them. Yeah. That this is making sense now. I think this guy was watching them. That's how he was so close. Right. Um. He, his name was Mr. Mansfield. Okay. He hears the screaming and he runs into the water to try to save them. Oh, that's heroic. So he saves the other woman, that the bathing companion. Yeah. <laughs> but then while trying to save Mrs. Crackton, he himself gets killed by the shark. What? Yeah. So Mrs. Crackton's mutilated body washes ashore the next day and Mr. Mansfield's body is never recovered. Although scraps of his clothing later wash ashore, leaving little doubt that he was devoured by sharks, like plural. So this was like a feeding frenzy. That's what I was going to say. Like if one of them, if the shark has like one chick, like I, I, I would assume there was another shark that got the other guy. I guess that's what um, they concluded from the evidence when they oh, found. Yeah. God. Mm-hmm. That other bathing lady is really lucky. She's super lucky. Don't bathe with your female friend in the ocean Just and let your on. guard down. I wonder how far out they were. I, it's, I don't think they were that far out. Yeah. Um. Okay, a couple years later, there's two more deaths from people falling in, into the water and getting killed. Um, so 1854, Captain George Jacob Honschelt is knocked overboard near Fernandina Beach. Um, that's the northernmost city on the Atlantic coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. And he just gets eaten by a shark. He falls overboard and a shark eats him. Oh, no. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant. Um, And then in 1883, the same thing happens to the son of a captain. He falls off a boat um, near Pensacola. The other men on the boat hear screaming. They run over to where the boy had fallen, and all they see is a red cloud in the water. Oh, no. Um, They find his body eventually, but it's missing the head and the limbs. So what? it was just like a torso that they found. Like, wouldn't the shark like take a bite of the head and be like, this isn't a seal? Why would it go after the well, legs again? Oh, the- maybe, maybe they bit the head off and then like spit it out or maybe they ate it. You know, the thing is, is like, that's the thing. Like, I know they per- don't like human taste, but there has to be some sharks out there that were just starving that ate it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like. That's the thing. Like we're told, you know, sharks are not these dangerous creatures. They, you're not their main source of food. It's like, of course we're not the main source of food because our habitat isn't in the ocean, but 
<laughs> sharks have eaten people. Like they like, do, they do it. So stop pretending. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know if it's like, you know, that'll do for tonight. If I, <laughs> I'll just eat this human. Cause I can't find something better. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you're too tired to cook. And so you get McDonald's or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, it still happens. I am. I get so irritated by these like shark activists that are like sharks are they, it, they don't mean to slaughter yeah. you. It's like, I think they did. Tonight. I mean, God, also, that's- okay. So what? They thought I was a seal and you know, it's like, they still attacked me. Yeah. So like, they still ate you. Let's stop. Let's stop with the, the shark apologies. Okay. <laughs> All you fucking shark so apologists out the there. Sharks right now. I hate sharks. I hate them. But they okay. are a big part of our ecosystem being. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So 1887, um, this dude, James Edward Hamilton, is trying to cross the Hillsborough Inlet in, I think it's pronounced Pompano Beach, um, which is between Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton. Okay. And there's a witness on the shore and um this witness sees he's a fisherman he sees sharks attacking hamilton's boat and hamilton is trying to fight off the sharks with his oars but oh, then so he, he's like in a small rowboat yeah like a smaller boat um also but then, why are the sharks like attacking this boat when it clearly isn't meat i have that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying <laughs> Sharks will just like start ganging up on a boat because they know a human's inside. Like, don't tell me that they, you know, maybe they thought he was a seal. It doesn't matter. Like a seal rowing a boat. Yeah. They're evil, evil little (laughs) bastards. So Hamilton ends up getting knocked out of the boat. Um, They eat him. He's they eat him. him. He also they they eat his head and limbs and leave his torso. Ugh. Yeah. Just like wanted an app. They didn't want like the, the dinner. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. They were <laughs> which is weird because well, I guess there's more there's more meat on your legs, probably. But, yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> okay, so this is getting creepy when we're like, there's more meat on your legs. I know. <laughs> killer earth, killer earth. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go through every single attack. There's a couple that are just boring. Okay. Um, all right. So 1902, um, a male carrier is canoeing at Mosquito Inlet, which okay. is now it's be re it's, it's renamed, um, Ponce de Leon Inlet. It's right above New Smyrna Beach. Mm-hmm. His canoe is swept out to sea by the current and his boat capsizes. His body oh. is later found with its limbs uh, missing. Um, so he was for sure eaten by a shark. Yeah. Um, 1907, a man named Belton Larkin is fishing in a small skiff, which is a shallow, flat-bottomed open boat with a sharp bow and square stern. Um, in Punta Gorda, which is below Port Charlotte on the west coast of Florida, on the Gulf of Mexico side, um, a bull shark nearby is chasing a tarpon, 
which is a large fish. Okay. And the shark jumps into the skiff. No. And like breaks it in half. Great. The boat. Then it bites Larkin in half. No. And eats him. That's great. (laughs) Not kidding. This is just, so now I can't even (laughs) swim in the ocean, let alone be in a boat. You can't sit in your boat. No, you're not safe in the boat. Um, Great. If 2020 wasn't worse enough. I know. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of other deaths that happen um, where people fall off boats or they're just like swimming and they, you know, they get attacked and they, they either like get eaten or they get a bad enough bite that they bleed out before they can get medical help. Yeah. Um, 1917, William Sinker is doing some kind of like diving demo, like diving off of a pier in front of hundreds of people. Okay. It's supposed to be like this, like, like, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. (laughs) Yeah. Like some like fun time diet. You know, he's probably wearing one of those like striped bodysuits for men. Yeah. Yeah. Like the onesies. Um, he, it's in Key West. He dives off of like the pier or whatever in his, killed by a shark right away it just eats him in front of all those in front of hundreds of spectators oh my god Mm -hmm. great so jumping off docks i can't do that either so no you cannot laundry list thing yep um 1922 an 18 year old girl named dorothy dorothy mclatchy um is swimming near a municipal dock in St. Petersburg, which is right below Tampa on the West coast of Florida. Okay. Um, she is killed by what a witness says is a monster fish. Cause I guess this person doesn't know what a shark is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and her body is later found floating by the dock. Oh God. Yeah. Um, 1928, two young stowaway boys on a ship in the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Florida jump off the ship and attempt to swim to the shore and they are eaten by sharks. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there are a few more attacks of just people um, swimming. So a couple of attacks in the thirties. I guess if it happens in like the, um, it can, it's considered a Florida shark attack if it happens off the coast of Florida. Okay. In in like, like a certain area. Okay. So so like um July 18th, 1943, um, the crew of a a plane that was shot down by a U-boat um is like waiting in the ocean to be saved. Oh gosh. And bef- right before they're rescued. One of the um, petty officer, his name was Petty Officer Officer Isidore Stessel. Mm-hmm. He's eaten by a shark in the ocean. Great. So it's like they ne- they weren't in Florida, but they were like off the coast, so it counts. So it counts as a yeah jurisdiction. That was that was the word I was oh god when I had that awkward pause. <laughs> okay, so now we're getting into oh so 1947 um 20 year old ralph reginald 
Rives Jr. goes for a swim in a canal 10 miles north of St. Augustine, which is on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. His leg is severely mangled by a bite from a bull shark. Um, So, you know, bull sharks are known to enter rivers and canals from the ocean. I mean, that makes sense because there's a ton of those like canals, like even in Fort Lauderdale, when I went, it's like so many canals from the ocean, like are just like kind of. So it's like that brackish water where fresh water meets salt water and bull sharks are into that. They can be in there out of the the fresh water. You sharks. Yeah. Um, Okay. 1951, 23 year old William J. Dandridge is scuba diving and spearfishing nine miles east of Key Biscayne, Mm -hmm. which is off the coast of Miami. And they don't know if it was a bull or a tiger shark, but it basically bites off the entire left side of his body and kills oh, him. Great. Yeah. Um, this was a weird one. I couldn't find anything about this, but 1974 um, in July, 10-year-old um, <clears throat> Billy Horn is on a yacht in the Gulf. Okay. When the yacht catches on fire and sinks. And I don't know if he was just the only survivor. Because uh-huh. he's 10, so he's not, like, taking his yacht out for the day by himself. Right. Um, he's – so while adrift, um, an oceanic white tip shark eats him, kills him. Oh. How sad. Well, like, I, I think it's funny how you're like, I don't know if he's the only survivor, but he clearly didn't survive. No, no. I meant from, like, from the <laughs> – From the fire. Uh, yeah, the I, know fire. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, yeah, that's terrible. That's awful. Yeah. This is another one that I don't quite understand or I'm just, like, disappointed in her judgment. Um, mm-hmm. August 10th, 1981, 19-year-old Christy Wapniarski takes a catamaran out by herself for a sail off the coast of Daytona Beach – um, and it capsizes. Oh, gosh. Um, so I guess she chills out on the capsized catamaran until daybreak, until the light comes up. And then she tries to swim back to shore because she fe- she thinks like, you know, because, you know, you never swim at night in the ocean, especially. Um, because of sharks? Because of sharks. It's like, wor- it's worse. Um, at night. Are they nocturnal? Yeah. And I think that's like more, they feed at night more. So or oh. something. So she like is just like I'm not. She's like yeah, I'll just I'll like break. Yeah, like I'll sit on this sink this floating catamaran even though it's capsized. So she's swimming back to shore and a shark kills her. Great, either a tiger or a bull shark. Also, I feel like early morning, like daybreak and sunset is also a bad time to swim. Yeah, I think I've heard that too, and that's when she chose to swim. This is where we need Kate's input because she's like a fisherwoman and she knows all that where all the fish are. Well, I'm sure she'll enjoy this episode. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, September 15th, 1981. 26-year-old Mark Meeker is swimming between Anna Maria Island and Egmont Key State Park in Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He is found dead the next day I guess on one of the shores of one of the islands, mm-hmm. um, he had bull shark bites and he had used the drawstring from his swimming trunks to try to make a makeshift tourniquet on his right calf, but he bled to death before <gasps> anyone found him. Oh, 
Yeah. And also you're like bleeding in the water. So it's probably going to attract more sharks. Right. That would Um, be like my huge fear, like getting bit, but also just like floating out there, like bleeding. Oh yeah, totally. You're like, yeah, bait. Okay. So then, um, there are four more, um, like diving and snorkeling related shark death or shark attack fatalities in the eighties. Um, just like people, um, diving, like not far from shore and getting murdered. Well, that's another thing you have to have the intercom with is like, again, scuba diving, but like with sharks, like, I I don't know how you do that and stay calm. No. So Alex, my friend, who's a diver, she was like dives with sharks or has many times and it doesn't even phase her. I know. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what do you mean you're diving around sharks? She's like, they're fine. They don't bother you. I'm like, okay, whatever. Oh my gosh, Alex, you're a brave one. She's very brave. Um, okay. Um, a nine-year-old boy is killed in 1998 by a tiger shark when he's just like minding his own business swimming mm. um, off the coast of Vero Beach, which is like central Florida on the Atlantic side. Kind That's of. so sad. I know. Okay, this one made me like sad. Okay. Um not that the other ones didn't, but August 30th, 2000, 69-year-old Thaddeus Kubinski um, has – his house is right on the ocean, and he has a dock right behind his house. And every morning, he would go for a swim. Aww. It was like his thing. Yeah. So this particular morning um, – and this happens in – Pinellas County. I don't know where that is. I should have looked up on the map. Um, He jumps off his dock like he does every day into the ocean. There's witnesses that are hanging out on like their docks near, I guess. Yeah. The witnesses see him swimming and then they see a nine foot, 400 pound bull shark with its dorsal fin out of the water. No. Racing towards him like fucking like jaws. Okay. No. So they start screaming, but like it's he's by the time he realizes what's happening, um, the shark has already gotten to him. Um, he bites him, and um, Thaddeus dies from massive blood loss and organ damage before nine one one can even get there. That is so sad. What an asshole shark! I'm. That's and it was I'm probably saying. going so fast, like that. Oh shark. yeah. Yeah. Lining. Like, and they, the article said something about how him jumping into the ocean as opposed to like walking in probably is the reason the shark noticed him because he made a big splash. Okay. So that's so, good to know. So to like, don't jump, like quietly get in. No cannonballs, cat. No cannonballs. <laughs> okay. Damn it. This Damn is getting it. worse. You're ruining my swimming. Yeah. Your, your summer activities are going to be pretty limited next year. <laughs> Um, okay. Couple more. September 16th, 2001, 42 year old Eric Reichart is diving and exploring the wreck of the Ronald B. Johnson. Ship. Okay. First of all, don't explore wrecks. If you 
yeah. don't want to get eaten by a shark. But anyway, go ahead. Right. So this is 270 feet deep, um, and it's two miles off the coast of Pompano Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one sucks. He's he's exploring the wreck. They don't know if it was a bull or a tiger shark, but basically this dude, Eric, he actually fights the shark off. He doesn't get bit. Like yeah. he defends himself, but he drops his diving regulator out of his mouth. So he drowns in the attack. Oh, no, uh, that's stupid. Yeah. But they found his body and he like didn't that story. Isn't that terrible? That's so terrible. He like already survived a shark attack and then that. Yeah. That sucks. I'm sorry. Okay, so this one, I remember when this happened. This one freaked me out. June 25th, 2005, 14-year-old Jamie Marie Daigle is swimming with a friend um, on boogie. They have boogie boards. They're, They're near Destin, Florida, which is like in the center of the panhandle. Yeah. The girls were about 200 yards out in the water when Jamie's left leg is completely bitten off by... I, I remember this one. Yeah. Oh. Six to eight foot bull shark. I remember this in the news. I I was in college. Um, 15 years ago, but I do remember like it being in Dustin. Um, yeah. And this girl was like this cute... She was just like this cute, like 14-year-old like, teenager, happy-go-lucky, like... Hmm. having fun on vacation with her friend. Yeah. Horrible. And so she bleeds out on the beach before. Yeah. Transport her anywhere. So awful. So the last fatal attack that has happened in Florida actually was in 2010. So there's been a long time ago. So there's been nothing in 10 years. There's been a lot of attacks. There's just hundreds of attacks, but there's been no deaths since 2010. Good. But there were some in like North Carolina, right? In the past there were year. other um, yeah. attacks. But this is and Florida. Deaths. Yeah. Um, so the last fatal attack happened on February 3rd, 2010. 38 year old Stephen Howard Schaefer is kite surfing um, around 4 15 p.m., about 500 yards off the coast of uh, Stewart Beach, um, which is a, like above West Palm Beach. But he's yeah. he's kite surfing off an unguarded section of the beach, so there's no lifeguard monitoring mm. what he's doing. Yeah. He's attacked by a bull shark and suffers a fatal bite to the leg. And I, what I read was when rescuers get to where he is, um, he's being eaten by, like, several sharks. Ew, or just no. eating his body. Great. <laughs> yeah. I don't like several sharks, let alone one. But I think he might have been already dead at that point. I'm not sure. Yeah, so those, I skipped several that were just, like I said, just like someone was swimming and got eaten. But those those are the um, Florida shark attacks. That's the history of Florida shark attacks. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah, interesting, right? It's it's, Well, you ruined my summer. (laughs) Um. Sorry. You're just going to have to go to the lake. Like a normal, no. rational I mean, person. I do like my um, cousin's lake a lot. Little Sebago. Mm-hmm. So I'll, yeah. But. Lakes um, are beautiful and they're like fresh water. Yeah, I don't know. I just like the ocean. I know. But, um, okay. Can't you like fight off a shark by punching it in the nose or poking out eyes? Is that how you do it? Like, yeah. If you are- 
situation. So if you're ever being attacked, you want to go for the nose and the eyes, like punching, poking. It's so hard to do that when their mouths are open trying to get you. Yeah. Like you're really not going to do well. Like that's why I'm mad about the guy who drowned instead of like he fought off the shark and probably knew what to do. Yeah. <sighs> um, do you remember the movie The Beach? Of course. Yeah, Leonardo okay. DiCaprio, so hot. And that movie was awesome. I um do you remember that horribly graphic shark attack with the yep. the two fishermen from like Sweden or something? Yeah, that was filmed in Thailand, actually. That was yes. the beach I was like, going to try to go to, but it was closed off due to like too much traffic. and Yeah. But um, it's Maya Bay, I believe. But it's like the okay. most beautiful water. And it's like so crazy, that shark attack. Like I kept thinking about that scene. So there's another scene where Leo D gets attacked. And remember, he punches the shark in the eyes and nose. In the eyes. Yep. Yeah, and that's how he allegedly survives. Ugh. You know what? This is kind of off subject, but back to the beach. You know what really bothers me? A plot hole in that movie. Which one? <laughs> when the two fishermen are, one of them dies and the other one needs medical attention. Yep. And I think her name's Lil, the leader of like the cult. Yeah. Um. She, Tilda Swinton plays her. She is like, we can't bring doctors here. I know. For obvious reasons. But then she's like, well, we can't bring doctors here, but he won't get on a boat. So we can't bring him to the mainland. And it's like, or because he is missing a leg and really isn't in any position to be making medical decisions for himself, just put him in the boat and take him. (laughs) Like, I never understood why. Yeah. They were like, oh, no, what do we do? He's too scared to – it's like, yes, he just – he's he was just attacked by a shark and saw his best friend. He's probably not wanting to get into a boat. You guys should still probably put him in one, though. Yeah, exactly. And then they leave him in the woods in that tent by himself to die. I didn't like the leader of the cult. She was, like, really weird. Yeah, she was the she was the villain. Um, And then the other scene I really don't like about that movie is when, like – leo's like in the woods and he's like tripping on something and it's just like really weird oh and it turns into like a video game yeah i didn't like i didn't like that i love that movie though i watched I that, love movie that movie over and over and I, over again i kind of want to watch it yeah it's such a good movie i was because it was it was the i think it was the second movie that came out after titanic so everyone was like was like we have leo. to watch this yeah, yeah everyone wanted more leo oh i always want more leo me too. Well, Kat. Maybe we can have him as a guest to talk about global warming. Global warming. I think we could. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure we know I'd, someone. I, I wouldn't be able to talk, though. I'd just be, like, drooling and I would die. Yeah. So you would have to do all the talking. <laughs> I, mean, I, can take, I can take one for the team. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was a really fun episode. Oh, my gosh. This was great. I learned so much about lightning. Thank you. I learned so much about all of these shark attacks that I had no idea about. I loved speaking with Ludo. That was amazing. Oh, isn't it great? Yeah. We are just so educating ourselves. on. We really are. We really are. So we'll be back in a couple days with another episode. But until then. We are going to go. We're going to be gone and you won't hear from us. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> oh, wow. All right, Kat, I love you. Love ya. More than sunsets. I love you more than shark attacks. Thanks. It's <laughs> really cool. Okay. okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Shots are bad and shots can't eat through.